It's being called Boston's historic mayor's race, and it will be decided in three weeks. Historic because either Michelle Wu or Anissa Asabi George will become the city's first woman mayor and first mayor of color. The early days of the race seem defined by images of the two city council colleagues hugging. Since then, it's gotten a little more testy, but has still been a pretty civil affair. I'm Michael Jonas from Commonwealth Magazine. This week on the podcast, we're sizing up the race with two people who know quite a lot about Boston politics. Joyce Farabo Bowling is a veteran political strategist and writes a weekly column these days for the Boston Herald. Hey, Joyce, it's great to have you. Thank you. And John Connolly was a finalist in the last open race for mayor of Boston in 2013 when he ran against Marty Walsh, a former at-large city councilor. He's now running the education advocacy group School Facts Boston. Welcome, John. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. So everywhere we turn, uh, we seem to be hearing about another big endorsement for Michelle Wu, who finished first in the September preliminary election. Joyce, uh, why don't you just kick things off? Where do you think the race stands uh, today? Well, you know, I'm not going to, you know, bet anybody out or in yet. I, you know, I mean, as John knows, uh, you know, we both were involved in the 2013 race, he running and me working with Charlotte Golar Ritchie. Um, you know, I think that um, anything can happen. Now, I, I do agree that she's got a lot of um, endorsements and, uh, you know, one of the top would be the one from Kim Janey. And, of course, uh, Ayanna Presley has uh, weighed in. And so all of Kim Janey's supporters now have, you know, piled on to support uh, Michelle. And I have to say that Michelle actually was a favorite uh, for mayor, even when she wasn't running, to really be honest with you. To get to the mayor's office, you have to travel through uh, the black and minority community. That is for sure. Uh, and so that will really tell the tale uh, of the tape, as it did when uh, John ran against um, Marty, actually. All right, John, where do you kind of see things right now? Yeah, I think similar to Joyce, I'm I'm not willing to say game over at this point. There's a there's a lot of time left, but I think Michelle Wu has a decisive advantage at this point. Um, uh, you know, when you look at what happened in the prelim and the two candidates that are left, it's very clear that black and brown voters are going to decide this race. Uh, Michelle Wu has uh, padlocked progressive voters in this race. Uh, she is, outside of Elizabeth Warren, the progressive standard bearer in Massachusetts, and, and she has locked down progressive voters. Uh, Anissa Asabi George has locked down uh, sort of rooted, lifelong uh, white Bostonians. Uh, and so you look at those two groups creating the base for each candidate, respectively, Black and brown voters in Boston, both lifelong rooted black and brown residents and newer Bostonians of color are going to decide this race. And you have to say at this point, with Ayanna Presley and Mayor Janey having weighed in on Michelle Wu's side, she has a decisive advantage as we go into the closing stretch, but not game over yet. Right. And I think, um, I mean, just to kind of fill out a little bit of the background uh, for listeners to this point about, um, you know, how decisive black and brown voters will be in the race, uh, we should just say that um, in the preliminary, uh, both both of you were were supporting uh, 
black women who who ran strong races and finished just I guess you'd say outside of the money, finishing third and fourth. Um, uh, John back was supporting Andrea Campbell and Joyce backed uh, backed Kim Janey in the race. Um, and so where where do black voters fit in now? And um, and I guess I wonder on that level. There's one interesting wrinkle that's developed. I feel like there hasn't been a lot of focus to the race so far. There's going to be debates starting this week. Uh, but uh, one issue that's emerged has to do with this question of where you're from, or more specifically, whether you were born in Boston or not. And, uh, um, and Asabi George, as, we, as people may know, grew up in Dorchester, was raised there. Michelle Wu grew up in Illinois, came here for college. And when she was asked recently um, on GBH radio, if that matters, Anissa Sabi George said, it's relevant to me and I think it's relevant to a lot of voters. Now that, that sort of created a big stir. And you know, in some ways, maybe it's not the most important issue, but there's a lot it seems to me to unpack there. And one thing I, I wonder, you know, it talks about sort of maybe talk about how the politics have changed in the city, who's voting in elections, who's here. But one other interesting wrinkle is there was some survey work by my colleague Steve Cazella at Mass Inc. polling group that showed a pretty decent share of voters actually agreed with Anissa Sabi George. They think that is important. And there was even a larger share of black voters that, that sort of, uh, you know, responded to that issue about having somebody born here. What do you what do you two make of that that issue? Well, let me just say that turf has always been an issue here in Boston, always. Um, you know, I'm from Southie, I'm from the Berry, you know, it's always been. Right. The problem with turf sometimes is when it's sort of re-triangulated uh, to, you know, be oppressive or exclusive. Uh, and that's where Boston gets the bad reputation. Uh, you know, there's been, you know, desegregation of housing, desegregation of schools, and they're, they all run in different, um, you know, territories, so to speak. It's changing a little bit. But turf is very important here. However, uh, the first black governor was from Chicago. Our first elected congresswoman was from Chicago. Uh, and so, you know, I don't think to the voters that the, you know, importing from different places makes uh, more difference than what you're going to do once you get into uh, office. So in a way, you know, I, I don't particularly like the signaling of, you know, I have more knowledge because I'm from here than you who come from somewhere else. It's the carpetbagger theory. Right. And I, and I just don't, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And what do you make of that, John? I mean, I, it strikes me that, um, you know, in some ways, maybe, maybe Joyce is right. Maybe there's the Chicago edge uh, you get in uh, Massachusetts politics. But um, kidding aside, it does seem like it's not proving to be a huge hurdle for Michelle Wu. And frankly, we've seen also, you know, a lot of data showing this is not the same city it was 30 years ago, certainly 50 years ago. A lot of people in Boston, a lot of voters did not grow up here. Even some who did grow up here, like the two of you, I think don't, don't sort of view things in that parochial lens of you need to have, you know, you know, been born and raised here. So I just wonder if, if it's kind of providing a little bit of a window into how how things have changed in the city, the fact that, that she's, you know, that Anissa Sabi George sort of 
made that statement, and it and I don't know if it's hard to say whether it's backfired. It certainly I don't think it's played that well. I don't think it's played well for George. And I would say sort of bottom line is George has to draw better distinctions between uh, Michelle and herself. Like she's just plain got to draw um, better distinctions if she's going going to mount a real challenge in this final. And she's going to have to start doing it at the debates. Now, you know, as far as the lifelong issue goes, um, it doesn't matter to me. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Roslindale, West Roxbury um, Bostonian. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter to me. I, I want the best, um, I want the best person in office. Uh, but I, I would note a few things on it. The first is, um, Michelle Wu is very much where this sort of center of Boston is today. Uh, the majority of Boston was not born and raised in Boston. That's right. Boston is That's getting right. younger. Boston is getting more progressive. Um, and, uh, and so Michelle Wu has actually got her finger on the pulse of where Boston is today. And maybe even more specifically, I think where it's going, right? They always say like, you want, you want to run a race about the future and it's only going to expand now, but let me say this. Cause I thought this was, is sort of interesting politics behind Anissa's comment. I think a lot of folks wrote it off as sort of maybe an off the cuff play to her base that, you know, was, was just, you know, poorly timed, poorly delivered. Um, I saw polling and I'm sure Joyce did too throughout this race that showed that it mattered to lifelong Bostonians uh, if you were uh, a lifelong Bostonian uh, candidate like that mattered to lifelong Bostonians. And I saw polling throughout the race that showed pretty clearly it mattered to uh, black, brown and white Bostonians the same. If they were lifelong, it mattered to them uh, that they were lifelong. I think Anissa may have actually been trying to do that to make a play uh, for lifelong black and brown Bostonians. Now, I think the interesting thing that I've never seen on that polling is does it matter to a lifelong white Bostonian that a white candidate is lifelong, but maybe not as much if it's a black candidate and vice versa? Does it matter to a, a lifelong black candidate that a black candidate is lifelong, but maybe not a white candidate? Or do all lifelong Bostonians just prefer a lifelong Bostonian regardless of race? Like that gets kind of crazy on the politics of it all. But I, I, I would just say, I think maybe she's making a play to black and brown voters. I'm not sure it necessarily would work. And I think she's got to draw better distinctions because whether it's Ayana, Rachel, um, uh, you know, or, or uh, Governor Patrick, uh, all three merged a coalition of new Boston progressive voters and black and brown voters to win over two thirds of the vote in Boston. Um, and That's if, right. If Anissa doesn't figure that out, she's done. Well, let me just say this, because I thought a little bit different. I, I, I agree with you, John, but I thought for sure uh, she was saying to old Boston, you're my kind of people. I'm your kind of people. And I also, you know, think that she was saying, I've been here all my life. There was a lot of subliminal messages I saw in what um, uh, Anissa uh, said. I mean, this whole issue about identity, I find in this race in particular, is a really kind of mixed up uh, set of, 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 uh, of kind of facts with, uh, I mean, both of these candidates are, are uh, daughters of immigrants. So there's a certain 
uh, and I mean Marty Walsh is as well was as well. Um, but there's a certain kind of irony again in that play by Anissa for kind of the homegrown candidates uh, or homegrown voters. Uh, I mean, I guess it shows you can kind of establish that rootedness pretty quickly uh, since she, uh, you know, was born here, but, but her parents weren't. And uh, so, I, you know, I think you're right that, that they're playing, uh, sort of trying to figure out the right, the right way to kind of maybe finesse, finesse that issue. And, and I think, you know, I, I sort of take John's point, too, that there's, there was some appeal in that by Anissa, too, to black voters. Um, it wasn't just a play to kind of, uh, you know, the sort of white Dorchester base, white Dorchester Southie base. But the bottom line is Anissa has to do better at drawing distinctions. And, right. and um, quite frankly, you know, not through no fault of Anissa's, Michelle doesn't have to draw um, distinctions to the same effect uh, because she is the front runner right now. Right, uh, right. And so Anissa's right. got to do better at drawing distinctions while Michelle just, if she continues to rack up endorsements, it, it will be game over. Right. And I think your point about, you know, you need white progressives and black voters. That coalition has been the ticket uh, that we've seen in Boston. And and it's and I think that's the big challenge for Anissa Sabi George right now. Uh, so let me chime in on something here. I'd be fascinated to hear Joyce's take on this. I agree. It's it's been the recipe for, uh, you know, um, you could go all the way back to Ralph Martin's uh, election, um, certainly Andrea Cabral. Um, but the, the recipe has been, you know, new Bostonian progressives plus voters of color that gives you over 60 percent of the vote. It would have been That's fascinating right. if Willie Gross ran because uh, the math he was going to try to put together was old school, traditional Boston with black and brown voters as as the two thirds to get there. I don't know that he would have been successful, but it would have been fascinating no. because I, I was seeing there that he would have had, you know, cops in West Roxbury with his house signs and seniors in Mattapan with his signs on their lawns, um, uh, you know, for whom he resonated. But I he probably couldn't have got there, but it, it would have been interesting to see. Well, let me just say one thing, uh, too. And just for people like before you do, Joyce, let me just help vote, uh, listeners who may not know that we're talking about uh, the African-American former police commissioner of the city, uh, Willie Gross, who seemed to flirt very briefly with the idea of jumping in this race uh, before not. He's now actually, though, kind of spearheading a, an outside super PAC that's raised a lot of money and is, and is supporting Anissa Asabi George. So. And uh, let's be fair that Anissa has distanced herself from it because uh, of the association of one of the donors with uh, uh, the Trump organization, but uh, Jim Davis. But let me go back to uh, the uh, Willie uh, Gross uh, factor. I think that his game plan was to attempt to, you know, um, bring people together and whoever wins this will have to bring folks together nobody's going to be totally left on the outside of this if you want to win this race you've got to transverse communities you have to transverse turf uh to uh to to get 
this vote. And I think that Asabi George has clearly framed her campaign. Now, I know I agree with uh, John that she has to work on the messaging, but she's clearly framed that she is moderate, uh, a centrist, however you want to say it, very different than um, than um, Wu. She, she's got the police. She's got, you know, you can see by the people that she has with her. Now she's got the union. I feel that's all Marty Walsh. That is all Marty Walsh. And I joked with somebody the other day, and I said, you know, I'm going to ask Marty if his mother is running her campaign. Um, because well, we know she voted for her, and we saw them. Uh, no, they, we saw that big thing. But again, yeah. We, we know where they stand. And right now uh, it is not a good thing to uh, seem like you're standing with the police at a time of police reform. And also Willie Gross, with all due respect, has come under fire for his association with Dennis White, which is uh, uh, the commissioner who did not uh, make it to commissioner for more than a week, I guess, right. uh, because people wonder – uh, if what he knew. Let's talk just a little bit about the sort of bigger picture of how the two candidates are trying to frame issues to, to the degree that we're hearing about that. It seems like Anissa Sabi George, starting right away on the night of the preliminary in her victory speech, has tried to hammer away at this idea that she is really more grounded in the practical issues facing residents and facing the city. And she's really tried to paint Wu's ideas about you know free fares on the MBTA or rent control as kind of pie in the sky stuff. Um, I guess is that criticism valid um, and is it resonating or do voters uh, I think actually again kind of like Wu's big ideas? She of course would call them you know kind of bold aspirations, not pie in the sky. I like uh, Anissa because I know she's done the work around homelessness. Uh, around the schools, getting social workers in the uh, schools and doing those kinds of things. So, I mean, I can point to things that she has done. And that's what you want in a candidate that you can say, well, I know she did this, that, and that. And Wu has um, also. And, you know, it's hard to for me to um, say who would do the best. I think I kind of give the edge a little bit to uh, Michelle Wu, because, um, you know, I mean, the the T demonstrations, um, you know, rent control is I know it's the big boogeyman here. Uh, but for someone to say, well, let's look at it. It, it, you know, but these words are what bothers me. Uh, police uh, defunding. You got to be kidding. We're not talking about defunding uh, the police. That's the wrong um, thing. Rent control. Maybe you really are talking uh, stabilization. But a lot of the developers and so forth have said, you know, rent control. I think she's very brave in coming out with some things that people feel a little prickly about. But in a, in a time like this, are saying, well, we need more than what we, we have if we're going to um, come through this pandemic. Um, and so I think they both have some, you know, strong uh, suits. I do think that, as I said, that Anissa um, is sort of running uh, center of left um, and the embracing of the uh, police at this uh, time 
um, is not going to be resounding with black and brown communities who've, you know, had issues with the police. Now, we, we've not had issues like other cities with the police. In fact, this is where community um, policing grew right here and we can grow again. Um, but I think that people look at that and, you know, see a too cozy relationship with an institution that needs reform. So what do you think, John, about this sort of framing of the race, that the way Anissa Asabi George has tried to position things? So this, this is the place I think Anissa has to go to draw these distinctions that I keep referencing. Um, but I think it is um, I, I think it's not landing uh, for really one main reason. Uh, and that and that is, again, the sort of like where the city is today, where it's going. They want uh, candidates, the city that the new new Bostonian, you know, sort of uh, majority or plurality wants candidates with a big picture vision who are thinking about climate change, who are thinking about transportation, who think of public health before they think about public safety because they view it as inextricably linked. Um, and and so so to one degree, Anise is drawing these distinctions, but really they're probably landing best with voters who are already with her. Um, and then there's a second problem here, which is I think for Anissa, and again, it's not her doing, but I think she's also trying to say in this critique, Michelle's, you know, pie in the sky. Uh, and I'm someone who knows academic. How to get, yeah. And I academic and I'm someone who knows how to get stuff done. But the fact is anybody who's met Michelle Wu knows while she is very aspirational and big picture on these issues. Um, she's also a city councilor who's been incredibly effective. And I think anyone who meets her knows she knows her way around city hall. She knows how to get stuff done and she knows how to throw elbows when she needs to. Uh, and so it's not as though the sort of subtext of Anissa's comments are really landing in a way that I think is believable to undecided voters, uh, to black and brown voters, um, and, and to anyone who's not already with Anissa. Right. And you do, uh, I mean, you do have to only look at things like the T where there is now a pilot program going with free bus fare. And, and uh, since the time that Michelle Wu first launched that idea a few years ago, several cities uh, in Lawrence, um, uh, Brockton, uh, a couple of other places in the state have begun experimenting with it, you know, not to mention other cities around the country. So it was kind of uh, aspirational, but some of those aspirations are starting to to kind of be become reality, and, and I think you're right, John, that that um, it's something that's resonating again for a, for a good chunk of the electorate. There there may be some who roll their eyes at it, but those are probably people that uh, uh, Anissa Sabi George already has, you know, in in her camp. So it's not clear, you know, this is always you know the old cliche that politics is the game of addition, and you're looking for for growing the kind of solid base you already have. I think that most people right now have made up their minds. I think that the black and brown community also, uh, you know, there's two ways to think of, you know, they look at um, 
Anissa, and automatically they say, oh, yeah, she's for the um, police. I don't want to hammer that, but I'm just saying to John's point that she's got to message that a little bit better. Um, you know, I mean, I message it if I, you know, I want to say that they're doing a good job. I just wrote a column the other day, and I said they do a good job. They're doing a good job in the middle of the pandemic, but not so good job policing themselves. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought of mayor's races as somewhat the inverse of presidential races. In presidential races, we always see you, depending on what party you are in, you've got to run to the left or the right to make it through that mm -hmm. primary season. And then you got to move back to the center when you're in the final. In Boston, right. it's sort of always been you, you run to the middle in the prelim with the lower turnout. And then we know right. the turnout goes up in the final. And then you've got to sort of run more to the left. Um, That's right. And, and Anissa kind of reverse engineered her path here, I think, because it's what she had. To oh, do that's amazing. But, you know, she did. But but it, I think to your point, it creates all sorts of trouble for her right now because she's doing all she can do to get back to the middle when you really want to be moving left to center in the final. Well, we will uh, follow the debates that are coming up where the candidates will have a chance to further try to define where they stand and it'll be interesting to see um, how they how they handle what are going to be really the several you know most high visibility moments they're going to have uh, to voters which are still ahead of us so I think we will leave it at that and I want to thank you both for a great conversation uh, John Connolly and Joyce Farable Bowling uh, thanks again for joining us on on the podcast thank you so much thanks Michael and thanks again to everyone for listening to another episode of the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. We will see you next time.